Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the DNVR Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of DNBR, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 80 of McChesney Unchained. That's right, 80 damn episodes of McChesney Unchained on thednvr.com. I'm your host, as always, Matt McChesney, coming to you from 60 Studios here at 60 Football Academy uh, down here in Centennial. This place is uh, is the lifeboat for a lot of these high school kids now that Colorado high school football has been canceled for the second time. So uh, definitely, if you're a high school player out there, you're a parent out there, and you are looking for some some help and some guidance during this crazy-ass time of COVID and cancellations, and college football still rolling, recruiting still rolling, we're getting multiple guys offered and looked at in the room. So if you are looking for uh, opportunity and you're looking for a way to walk across this bridge and someone to help you, that's what we do here at Six Zero. Uh, we put 27 guys out last year. Cole Taylor went to LSU. Aiden went to Notre Dame, Michigan, Nebraska, CU. The list goes on and on and on. So uh, if you have some talent and your, your your kid has some talent, then bring your ass in here and let's get to work and let's see if we can maximize this because Colorado is truly a flyover state, and I think you know why now. Uh, if they don't take football seriously uh, in the high school levels here, you know, it's what it is. Like Colorado does not take football as seriously as they should. And uh, <clears throat> that is what it is. So episode 80 is, is a special episode. I'm pumped about uh, the, the guests we have on today. My ex-teammate and a, and a friend of mine who, you know, has been through the trials and tribulations of the NFL and really, you know, kept his known to the grindstone and didn't listen to all the bullshit and kept working. And when he got his opportunity, he was ready for it and turned into one hell of a good football player for the New England Patriots uh, at, as he, you know, had a great career. Uh, there, Rob Nikovich joins us here on McChesney Unchained, episode 80. Nico, how many years in New England did you get uh, once you got your, your opportunity there from Coach Belichick? Well, just first off, I want to say thank you for having me on the 80th. The 80th show, I mean, come on, I feel pretty blessed to be on the 80th. That's pretty good, right? 6-0, plus 6 80. There you go. Okay, I'm good at math. Uh, Purdue University, Love. anyway. Let's go back to uh, what you asked me originally. Um, yeah, I played eight years for New England. Um, you know, I bounced around a little bit early in my career. Was drafted to the Saints. Got blew my knee, had my bad knee injury, blew my knee out. Had to recover from that. Went to the lovely Dolphins. If you remember that situation of how dysfunctional that's that organization was in 2007 and eight, uh, that was a complete joke. And uh, just being one in 15 and not even playing on that that team in 2007 was a real kicking the nuts so you know for me just throughout my career I, I just I had to stay I just had to stay in my own mind of like look if I just need a good opportunity I need the right opportunity and like anything in life sometimes you're not that window is going to be slammed in your face the door is going to be closed on you and you can't get through that that window and for me I just had to wait and, and be patient and understand that it's a process it's right place, right time. It's injuries. I mean, that's football. There's politics involved. There's money involved. You know, so not, that's not necessarily, um, you know, the best environment for, for a white DN. Come on, let's just put it simple. Like, there's not many pass rushers out there that look like myself. So, you know, I had to find the opportunity. It took a while. And once, once, once I had that in New England, Bill gave me an opportunity. I had to make the best of it. And you know, won a couple Super Bowls and started like 150 games. So it was it was an awesome, awesome experience. Well, it definitely worked out. One thing, we were in Miami together, and one thing that I can say about you as a, as a teammate, the way you showed up in practice is the way you showed up on Sunday. It's the way you showed up in meetings, always there, ready to go, multiple positions. That's the other thing. 
I played defensive line in college and I was a defensive line in my rookie year and then I got moved. You played multiple positions in the NFL, hand on the ground, stand up, you're, you played fullback at one point. You, I mean, you're all over the place. I know you can long snap and, and really spin it. Um, so one thing that everybody listening, if you can take anything from Nico and what he just said is perseverance and being ready for your opportunity when it comes. And even if it doesn't work out the first time, keep swinging that fucking hammer, just like Rob did. You can see Rob on ESPN. I mean, you're on ESPN all the damn time now, man. I didn't think they let beards on ESPN. Yeah. How'd, you, well, how'd you pull that off? That's like a beard for the Yankees. I cut it in half, so it used to be down to here. Now it's now it's up a little bit closer. So, I mean, I had to look, you know, I just clean up a little bit. So um, I had to cut the lumberjack beard, cut it in half. So it's a little bit more kept up nice. But um, no, last year I did NFL Live. This year I'll be on uh, Sunday Sports Center. I'll be in Bristol. I'll be doing all the hits during the Sunday games and all that stuff in the studio. So that'll be cool. And then uh, Fridays I'll be on Get Up, um, you know, in the morning. So. It's a cool little gig, you know. It's still, I'm still talking football. You know, I miss the game. Yes, definitely miss playing football. But you know, when you play 11 years, it's a grind. So you know, I, I watch football now, and I'm like, man, that looks like it hurts. So you know, I, I loved it. I had such a good time. Um, but now I love talking about it. I love watching. You know, I love watching your Instagram profile. I love watching guys. You know, their techniques and you know your sets and how you're screaming at these kids to you know have the right technique. Because at the end of the day. You know, I'm 6'2", 260 pounds. And if I didn't have perfect technique with my hands and my footwork and leverage, because at the end of the day, football is all about leverage. It's just low man wins. You know, it's a simple concept to, to and once you get the concept, it's pretty simple. The low man wins, hand placement wins, and your footwork is number one. So for me, I love watching your clips because every, every kick that's going, every set that you're doing, I'm watching, you know, where's his hands. So as a defensive player, I would just sit and watch film constantly and I would just start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. And is it is he a single, is he a double punch guy? Is he low hands? Is he underneath grappling hook type guy? Is he a high punch? Is he a one hand, two hands? So like, those are all little things that as a pass rusher, you know, those big guys, all they want to do is grab on you. Cause you know, it's one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, they win. So, you know, for me, it's just constantly, constantly watching technique. And I love watching your clips. And then I love hearing your voice because I feel like I don't know how you keep your, your voice box, you know, intact because <laughs> you're screaming, hey, Sam, punch, you know, but uh, I enjoy it. It's good. <laughs> it's that honey sweet baritone, baby. I just, I got that honey sweet baritone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, playing both ways the way I did, the, the technique that I can teach these kids, I tell them all the time, I have my master's degree in football, so I can I can sit down when I was with the Jets, when I went to the Dolphins, when I especially when I got to Denver. The more you know, the longer you're going to play. My body gave out on me, and unfortunately, that just is what it is. But when you walk into a room with these kids and they can they can hear you talk about it, and then we can go out on the turf and implement it, and then you can see it on film. It's a massive advantage for them to get better and especially not playing. And we're going to move into that now and talk about college football, but not being able to play high school football this year. That's why we're filming everything the way we do. So these coaches have something to look at and they don't miss out on these kids because there are so many kids missing out on opportunity with Colorado not playing high school football this year. So let's get into that, man. Uh, we'll get into the college football part of this. You played at Purdue, a proud Boilermaker, uh, the, the Big Ten, which I never thought in the history of history would ever cancel a football season because they care about it too much. The Big Ten postpones to the spring, the Pac-12 postpones to the spring, the Mountain West, the MAC, I mean, they are what they are. They postpones to the spring. Give me your thoughts on the universe, or Purdue University actually postponing a football season. I mean, can you believe this? And the difference between the Big Ten and the Pac-12, because the Pac-12 is like, hey, we're on vacation, fuck it. And the Big Ten's like, hey, we want to play, let's go. Yeah. No, it's disappointing. Look, I look. There, there's going to be certain guys that if they do push it to spring, if you're first round top pick, like they're not going to play, obviously. You know you're going to miss out on that, on those, you know, top tier guys. But guys like myself, if I was going into my senior year and they had canceled the season, I mean, I personally would be, have been devastated and it would have been asking at any point just place time i'll be there i'll be ready to go and i'll 
I'll play. I'll play in the damn parking lot if you want me to play in the parking lot, you know? No fans. I don't care. I just want to go out there and show the world that I can play at an elite level. And, you know, I said this on Get Up a couple weeks back, probably a month back, and I just said that not having a football season for a lot of these kids is going to be really, really, really detrimental to their – Number one, their education. Because when you're going to school, let's, let's, let's not, you know, get this thing twisted. Football was my motivator to, to do, go, do all the right things in school, to go to class, to make sure my grades were right. When I went to school every single day, I knew that there was consequences to not having grades. And if I didn't have my grades, I didn't do the right things off the field, I wouldn't be able to play and I wouldn't be on the field. So I went to school to play football. I know that sounds terrible to say that, but look, at the end of the day, when I think about what I was and what I got up every day for, I got up to go lift. I got up to get ready to go play football. And I knew that the things that I had to do in school in the classroom were to be able to play because I loved it that much. So my fear is a lot of these guys, you know, and even, even with, with football, there's guys that don't make it, you know, there's guys at the D one levels that they, they just don't make the education. They don't make it. So they're you know kicked out in a year or two. They don't make the schooling. You know, so then they got to go another route. But for myself, I was saying that a lot of these guys that don't have the motivation of getting up and knowing that they have to go to class to be ready to play football, that it could potentially be devastating to, you know, the, the graduation rates for seniors. If they don't have school, they might just say, screw it, I'm not going, you know. And I, I want them to have a season. And, and I hate when they say postponing it to the spring because when I really think about it, it's what's the difference between right now in the spring that's right around the corner you know like the spring is right here so unless in the next two months they're going to come out with something which i know if they came out with something i wouldn't be like yeah give it to me i'm i'll be your experiment like i don't know if i'd do that and you know that these you know we know now that with covid it, it affects older people that potentially have you know some other things going on you know, I'm not downplaying the fact that there are young people or there are younger people that have gotten it and had some issues, but the majority of healthy young adults can be able, their immune systems can get through it and they could, you know, if they, if worst case scenario, they, they contracted the virus. So, you know, for me, it was, I was surprised that the Big Ten postponed and all these other conferences postponed because number one as well, football for most of these colleges is the most money that they make in the whole season and it what it does is it fuels everything else you think Purdue's women's volleyball makes any money no like do you think Purdue's baseball makes any money no basketball that's Purdue's basketball makes money but football basically pays for everything so you know at the end of the day it was surprising that they did that because when you look at this this the conferences that are still playing they put in the, the proper steps to make sure like, okay, these are the protocols that we're going to put in place. So where we could have a football season and football players, just like I said, with school, if you told me like, look, we're going to have a football season, but you have to do X, Y, and Z. And you can't, you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit. You're not going to be able to do the things that you did in the past. You're going to go, you're going to go to your class. You're going to wear a mask. You're going to get into the, the locker room. You're going to all going to, do wear a mask because we know if, if this goes south, there's no football. So these conferences that are playing, I feel like they're going to be able to play because the, the kids in that locker room, they're going to hold each other accountable. They're going to say, Hey man, do the right things. Cause I want to play this year. I want to play my senior season. So, I mean, the, the football locker room kind of controls itself and you have guys that, that police each other and they hold each other accountable and you have your leaders in the locker room that get the guys that kind of they might stray but there's the leaders that say no no no, no. you're going to do it this way and you're going to follow me and we're all going to do the same thing and we're going to get through the season and if you want to have dreams and aspirations of being drafted next year or playing in the nfl guys like myself that were fifth round picks that are going to be free agents that are sixth seventh round picks they need a football season so you know, I was surprised that they, they didn't have a football season. It was pretty shocking. And now that we see, you know, because the Big Ten even said, well, maybe, you know, maybe we can get something done. You know, they're kind of they're, – they're weighing a little bit. As before, there are no hard line. No, we're not doing it. But, you know, I think it can be done. I, I, I definitely think that, you know, the way that guys love and, and appreciate the game, that they would hold themselves accountable to do the right things 
as opposed to, you know, right now with no football, they might, they might not make the right decisions. And that's my biggest fear is without ball, like you said, there's a lot of free time and a lot of bad decisions made. I mean, alpha males that are in that environment don't always make the right decisions, even when they have football. So guys are definitely, you know, they're in the crosshairs right now. They've got to deal with COVID. They've got to deal with not playing. They've got to deal with, are they going to be able to get to the league because of all the, you know, I mean, for God's sakes, Pro Day and the Combine are in the middle of your season if you're playing in the spring, so that's going to be pretty difficult. I don't know how in the hell those kids are going to get good film to show the coaches and if the coaches are even going to take it uh, take it seriously. I mean, the, the GM from the Steelers came out on record and said that he's 100% going to look at the guys that played in the fall over the guys that play in the spring. He has to, and it's going to weigh on his decision-making when he brings guys in. The guys in the spring, I don't know if they're going to draft you and you're going to keep playing or if you get an opportunity, you just stop immediately and go to the go to your NFL team. So all that is very, very, very interesting to me. And I don't know how they're going to do it, honestly. I think it, I think the spring football season is going to be a complete disaster. Um, remember, Rob Nikovich is, is joining us here on episode 80 of McChesney Unchained. You can follow Rob on Twitter and Instagram at Nico50, N-I-N-K-O-50. It's a great follow on Twitter and IG, so make sure you follow uh, Rob Nikovich. Rob, with all that said, uh, my my CU went to the Pac-12. I, I played in the Big 12. I do not like the Pac-12. I think it's super soft. Um, and, you know, they back that up with pretty much everything they do. Um, but l- let me ask you this. With the MAC, the Mountain West, the Big 10, and the Pac-12 all playing in the spring, if you took Purdue and you said, okay, Purdue, you're going to play your MAC rival in state, which is – Ball State, I do believe. Ball State. They can play Ball State. State, Then you're going to play the Arizona schools. So you're going to play Arizona and Arizona State. And then Oregon, you're going to play Michigan, Michigan State, and Boise. CU, you're going to play Nebraska and Iowa and Colorado State. And then all of a sudden, you have a non-conference schedule where they're playing each other and they're good games. And then you can go into your conference look. Do you foresee them doing anything like this? Or are they just going to – hold everybody together, play the conference, and, and pray that no one gets sick, and fear monger some more. Well, so in that, I think that's a good idea. That would be cool because, you know, you'd be able to kind of see a little bit of difference in, you know, Big Ten and, and some of the different conferences. But in actuality, I feel like they're going to want to do something that is the least amount of travel as possible. So you're going to see, you know, Purdue, Indiana, you know, they're like, an hour away, right? So they're going to try and stay as tight as possible, so as close as possible, so you don't have people jumping on airplanes and doing all that stuff where they could just, you know, take five or six buses and you got one guy in, every, in, in each row or every other row with a mask on, and you could do it that way. But, you know, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think it would definitely be cool to see that because I did play – I played Arizona when I was at Purdue – we played, we traveled out to Arizona early in the season and it was actually a really, really good game. And it was a great experience to go out and play, you know, cause you look, when you're in college, those experiences of going to different places, like th- those memories last forever. I mean, Penn state, like was the best place to ever play ever. And, and if you didn't have a chance to play Penn state, it was like just memorable how loud it was and how crazy people were. Um, and the Arizona was also really fun to do. So you know, for me, I think that that definitely would be a good idea, a good plan. But at this point right now, whoever's running this thing, especially for the Big Ten, like, I don't know how uh, competent they would be to actually come up with a game plan that would be functional and work, you know. So for me, I just want to see them play in conference. I just want to see them get their conference games in. Even if you cut it down to, like, six games, you know, if you had six games and didn't have so many games. Because the one thing that I worry about, too, is look a high ankle sprain or something that you have in the in the fall would really affect you if you got it in the spring and then you had to go play football that next year so if you were you know a sophomore junior it really doesn't matter unless you had an injury that carried over to the next season and look we don't know exactly what's going to happen with this thing 2021 season right so you know again I think that that'd be cool to see but right now I just want to I just hope that they could come up with a game plan that is smart and gets these kids back on the football field. So they have, you know, so they're doing the right things right now. I just can't believe that they actually 
stopped or they, they didn't even try and play. That's the problem I have is the other conferences have shown that they can go to practice, they can function, they can play. There's college games on, there's no fans, but the kids are still playing. I mean, if I'm the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, Mountain West and the MAC, I really feel stupid. And the commissioner for the Big Ten, the hypocrisy of that man to allow, or not allow his son's a grown man, but to not sit there and be like, oh, my God, my son's playing in the SEC. He can't play. Oh, my God. And, like, to not to show any emotion about it whatsoever and then to just be like, no, we're not playing in the Big Ten because of the, the, the fear of COVID. But I'm not even going to mention my kid who plays in the SEC and him playing every game. I'm going to take away opportunity from these kids, but I'm not going to say anything about the opportunity my son has. The hypocrisy of that is unbelievably believable to me, Robin. I, I just can't believe it. Uh, but let, let's move on from, from college football and get into the NFL. Uh, that, that's both of our bread baskets here. Um, all right, so National Football League, they expand the playoffs. Only the one seeds get buys. You got an extra wild card, which I dig. Um, it's going to make things harder, in my opinion, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, it's already a hard road, as you know. And what do you own? Three of them? You own three Super Bowl rings? Two. I lost Two. one. Two that's, Super that's Bowl a, rings. Yeah, I lost one. So I lost one to the Giants. That one hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, as, as you know, how hard it is to get there, this is only going to make it more difficult. So tell me, do you like the expansion of the playoffs? Because they always leave one team that is nine and seven, the other team is seven and nine and they don't get in because of the you know the, the way the divisions run but just tell me your thoughts on the expansion and and uh things of that nature and we'll get into the, the rest of the nfl yeah i mean i think it's a good idea look when you when you're in the playoffs the records go out the door so it doesn't really matter what your regular season record is and and i can tell you this firsthand just like you know when you're playing you could play a team that's it has two wins on the season and they're say they're two and ten but guess what? On any given day, that whole roster is loaded with guys that are the best of the best. And they're the best and the best for a reason because they're great athletes, they're great football players. And you come up with a game plan and some motivation. And I'm telling you, any team could beat anybody on any given day. So for me, I like having that expansion because you get in, you get in another team that could potentially upset some things, some change, change some directions of what a team would have potentially been and they lose because they're playing a team that they might take a little lightly. I mean, look, for example, the Ravens last year, you know, they, they come into the, they have a bye week, they come in and they lose. Right. So you think about that when you have a team like the Ravens or, or a number one seed that they get the bye, they're, they're, you know, sitting fat and happy. They're, you know, having fun. They got a couple weeks off. Then you play a team that really has no downtime and they just get on a roll. So you get on a roll you get in the playoffs, you have your wild card round, you find out who you're going to play, and then you build that confidence up, and then you go play a team that supposedly is supposed to kick your butt, and you go out there and you beat that ass. I mean, it's pretty fun to watch. So I love watching playoff football. That's, that's really one of the best times of year. And I, I really, really pray, I pray that we can get everything under control and everything goes smoothly so we can get into playoff football. I love – I want to see the new format. I want to see – how this NFL season shapes up. I want to see Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I want to see how he slings it with that offense. So, look, I'm, I'm very, very excited to watch the game tonight. I'm, I can't wait to see the NFL kick off. Tom, I'm glad you like the expansion of the playoffs because I think it's awesome. Um, the, the more teams you can get in and, and play, the better, in my opinion, because those playoff games, brother, they are super intense. I only made the playoffs twice, uh, and we got our ass kicked both times. Uh, that that playoff game against the Ravens in Miami. Oh. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I played us, two. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, and it probably hurt me more than helped me. But I played. I played two full seasons of playoff games, which is kind of crazy to think about. You know. Wow. It's like nuts. So I, you, nuts. I take into account like all the preseason games, all playoff games. It's like I played like 14 years. It's it's nuts. It's crazy. Well, I'm sure you feel good in the morning, just like me. <laughs> well, All I'm right, 250 so. right now, so I've lost a little bit of weight. I try to, you know, slim up a little bit, but it's not easy. I'm yeah, telling I'm you. I'm over 300. Hey, beers are cold, yeah, man. I'm still over 300. 
It's hard oh. to put that beer down when it's cold. <laughs> Man, my, my heart still likes cheese and ice cream and all that shit. So we'll see what happens there. <clears throat> um, all right. So look, the AFC, the NFC, you've got three wild card spots now. So the divisions are still important. You're still going to get a home playoff game. But man, those wild card teams, you're getting a team in that third wild card slot that wouldn't have been in the year before. You know that the coaches are going to play that up. You shouldn't have been in the playoffs. Now you are. What are you going to do with it? Yada, yada, yada. You know the way that they motivate at the next level. You can find any little thing that can piss somebody off in the room and get us motivated, and we're rolling with it. So give me, you know, we're going to talk about Kansas City and Houston a little bit tonight. That's a great game. Uh, on FanDuel, I took the money line with Houston. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and and, and I, I really think that they're going to show up and show out tonight. I think Kansas City is they need a lot of barbecue, and they got that ring, and everybody's sitting back and feeling good about themselves. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Houston walks in there and shows out. But talk to me about the AFC first, and then we'll get into the NFC, and I want to talk to you about Tampa Bay and Tom and so on and so forth. So AFC picks, they're just right off the top of your head. Who do you think in that conference is really going to show up and show out? Look, I, I, I really want to see a, a motivated Aaron Rodgers. So I feel like the Packers are kind of like quietly going to be really good this year because of the fact that, you know, they draft a first-round quarterback and it kind of pissed off Aaron Rodgers. So, look, I've played against Aaron Rodgers and you don't want that dude motivated and pissed off. So, you know, I feel like he is going to come out like on fire this season. And I, and I think that the Packers are going to go pretty deep. Um, and then when I think about that conference, Minnesota really doesn't scare me. I, I don't know. Some In the NFL, the modern NFL, you need, you need a quarterback. So, you know, if you don't have that, like the Bears, eh. the Lions, you know, they, they have Stafford, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, get anything done. Um, you know, the 49ers are going to be the 49ers. And they're going to have a tough defense. You know, can Jimmy Garoppolo make the next jump, make that next step um, this season? We'll see. You know, I hope he does. You know, Seattle's going to be there because Seattle, you know, with Russell Wilson and, and the things that DK uh, – DK Metcalf, I just picked him up on my uh, fantasy. I feel like he's going to be that second year, like, taking a huge leap because he's a – you know, he's a freak and, I, you know, like just a massive dude. Um, so, for the NFC, I, I'm telling you, for me, it's in between Seattle and Green Bay to get there. And I know Tampa, you know, everyone's talking about Tampa, but I really feel like the, the Tampas and the New Orleans in that conference, I feel like they're just going to destroy each other because they're going to see each other twice, you know, this year. They got a really tough conference. Um, you know, I think Tommy's going to do really good. I really do. Um, but it, there's just so many uh, – there's just so many question marks on, like, you know, him coming to a new place and, you know, all the the, the chemistry because offense is all about chemistry. That's what it is. Like – understanding the snap counts and the flow of the receivers and all those different things. Um, so that, that's kind of, I'd love to see Tom go and, and win a Super Bowl with Tampa. I would really love to see it, but it, I just think it'd be really hard for him to do it in, in his first year, you know, moving down there. Yeah. The NFC is very interesting to me. I, I work with Ryan Jensen. I've been working with him since he was coming out of college at Pueblo. See, it's Pueblo down there. They had, you know, they got guys on the active roster again, D2 school. Coach Rissa down there doing a great job, as always. But he he's just – he raves about Tom and how detail-oriented he is, but also how funny he is. Like, he's not just, like, this stick-up-the-ass quarterback. He's one of the guys. He's a six-round pick. He can't shed that. He, he's cool to everybody in the locker room. He doesn't play the big-time role. He knows guys' names. Like, he really gives a shit about the – the relationship part of football. And I respect the shit out of that because I, I think that's what this is all about. That's, I mean, brother, that's what it is. We play together, yeah. we're talking, it's what it is. So I love hearing that. It just makes me admire the guy even more. I'd love to see Tampa go out and show out, but I can't, they got New Orleans and they got to deal with a lot of firepower in the NFC. The NFC is going to be interesting this year. So I'd love to see, I'd love to see them go ball, but I don't know. They come to Denver week three. That's the first time fans can be in the stands here in Denver. So that would be pretty cool. Let's talk about the AFC, bro. Um, Kansas City and Houston play tonight. In my opinion, they're both probably at the top of the list to win their divisions. The South, I like the Colts. I think the Colts have a lot of potential. Phyllis Rivers is, is a stud. I did say Phyllis, by the way. Um, yeah. 
I, I, I do. I think Tennessee is going to be a really hard out. They're, they were AFC title game last year. Jacksonville is going to, uh, you know, I've never seen a team nosedive the way I Jacksonville has since the AFC title game. And I'm just saying from a personnel standpoint, there's like three guys on the entire team left from the AFC title game. They're all backups. So uh, somebody can explain that shit to me because I, I, I'm never going to understand it. But talk about the AFC and then we'll get into Vaughn and the Broncos. Yeah, so AFC is, you know, it's it's interesting because you you have your, you know, your top three, right? So you think you got Kansas City coming back from, you know, championship. They're going to be the champs. So everyone's going to have the target on Kansas City. You know, they are returning a ton of starters. So that's one thing. You know, like I said about Tom going to a new place, it's tough when you come in and you have to learn everybody and you got to get the chemistry. Kansas City has the chemistry. Now, if they could get over this Super Bowl hangover, you know, maybe, you know, they might be a little bit heavier, a little sluggish. Hey, we got those rings on. I just got paid. You know, I'm half a billionaire or whatever. You know, so I feel like Kansas City's going to be really good. It's hard for me to say that Kansas City won't be good. I love the Ravens. You know, I – on television, I will say this, when Lamar was drafted, I set out all the draft picks that were the first-round quarterbacks. I said Lamar would be the best because in the modern NFL, when I say modern, RPO, you know, all your mobile quarterbacks because as a defensive end having to go against guys that can run, I just know that the fits that it causes in the secondary, it's hard to cover. You know, when you go 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, that guy gets out, you can't cover past 3,000. It's impossible. So, you know, I, I just think that the Ravens are going to be really good. I think Lamar is going to make that next step as an accurate in-the-pocket passer because the guy can throw the football. I don't – you know, sometimes people say, oh, well, he's just a runner. I'm like, no, he, he throws the ball really well. You know, I just want to see him avoid a little bit of damage. I like Phillip Rivers going to the Colts. I feel like that gives them a, a little bit of a boost. Um, Tennessee, like you said, I, I feel like when you have a guy that could run the ball, like Tennessee wants to run the ball – you know, look, they're going to come in. They're going to try and bruise you up. They're going to beat you up. And then you got Tannehill. You know, what is he? He's a good manager. He manages the game. He runs the football play action pass. You know, all the linebackers are up. Big money. You know, throw the ball over their head. So, you know, again, I, I think the Ravens, I think last year they learned a lesson, a tough lesson about kind of maybe – taking it a little easy on that bye week coming into the playoffs and they, they didn't play well. They looked terrible, you know, doing all their, uh, what is that big trust stuff? Um, so Ooh, I, th I think trust. I'm going, I'm going Packers. I'm going Packers Ravens for a Super Bowl. That's what I'm going for. Ooh. Oh, I love it. That's a good pick. Actually. I, I really do think that after talking to my guy, Billy Turner, who signed a massive deal with green Bay last year and, he has his struggles one-on-one, -on -one, but at the same time, he really solidified that offensive line. I know Bakhtiari really well being a CU guy, and they are – when I was talking to Billy, on, he was on three or four episodes ago, and it was kind of off screen, and he was like, man, A-Rod is so motivated. He is on point. I've never seen him this – I'm not going to say dedicated because we know the man's dedicated. This on yeah, point. Yeah. With everything. Well, that's scary now. Scary. That is that's like Jason plus Freddy Krueger plus plus Michael plus the Alien movies plus the Predator combined. I mean, a pissed off Aaron Rodgers. It it's, it makes me wonder why they don't do things more to piss him off in Green Bay so they can win more. I I hope that he doesn't fall into the Brett Favre. I can only win one ring thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that he's definitely, with them drafting somebody, I think he was a little bit pissed off about that. And we'll see what happens. But I, I think a lot of people are kind of writing them off a little bit because they didn't make too many moves. But, look, last year they were a really good football team. They were really, really good. So if they were just a little bit better, they're going to be even a better football team this year. And I feel like with Rodgers being motivated and, and wanting to go out there and prove the organization that they messed up by getting a first-round pick. And, look, we might see that – we might see that quarterback out there with Rodgers. Look, in the NFL, again, like I said, the modern NFL, sometimes there's two quarterbacks on the field. I mean, look at what the Saints do with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. You know, they, they bring that guy in. I guarantee the Patriots, they're probably going to have Cam Newton and Stidham on the field at the same time because they're going to use the personnel to their advantage. So, you know, again, I think that we're seeing a change in the NFL. It's changing everything. It always does. You know, you look at an NFL film from 10 years ago, it's like 
completely different, completely different. Like night and day, honestly. All right, so <clears throat> lastly, before you get you out of here, uh, my man Rob Nikovich joining us here on episode 80 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR.com. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, they do an absolutely unbelievable job, my man. Adam, Andre, the producer of this show. Hats off, Andre, for all your hard work. Uh, Ryan Kosenberg, Brandon Spano, everything you guys do, you're really kicking ass over there at DNVR, so keep it up. Um, <clears throat> the game tonight's big time. Everybody get in front of the TV and watch because the NFL's back, thank God. I never thought I would for, I'd be sitting around missing the preseason, but I missed it so bad. Um, let me ask you about this defensive end. And, and this happened to me. In, in 09 with the Broncos, the last day of training camp, I stepped on Jarvis Moss's foot, and my ankle rolled to the ground. He tore a tendon, had to have surgery, and I was on, I was on IR the whole year. And I felt really good about making that team. For Vaughn Miller being in the position he's in as one of the best defensive players I've ever seen. I mean, he's like a modern-day Derek Thomas, and he, he's scary off the edge. I've never seen anyone lean like him. If he played hard all the time, he would be an absolute unstoppable force. Give me your thoughts on Vaughn getting hurt. Do you think we'll ever see that 15 to 20 sack guy again? His future endeavor, in your opinion? And then I wanted to ask you a couple questions about the Broncos uh, as, as we get you wrapped up here on episode 80. Yeah, that's tough. With, with the pass rusher, you know, everything that you do is about your first step. And, you know, Vaughn Miller, we all know how explosive he is off the edge how quick he is off the, off the edge, and all those things. When you're a pass rusher, and look, he's not the biggest guy. I can remember when he was drafted, you know, he came out the same year, basically, that, you know, everyone was talking about, he's 5'10", he's six foot. Well, look, when you're that size, you have to have your first step. You have to have speed off the edge. And, yeah, he's got the, the lean. He's got natural leverage because he's not a very big guy. So, you know, the one concern that I have is when you have an injury like that, can you get back to the levels that you were before that? And I, and I think, Matt, you said it best. Sometimes he plays hard. Sometimes he plays lights out. And then sometimes he kind of takes a play off here or there. So that's my biggest concern because when, you're, when you start to get older, and I kind of compare it to, look, if you are an elite athlete your whole life, once you start to age, you have to rely on your work ethic to get you past that, you know, getting a little bit slower, um, not having a great first step, you know, things start to go after you're 30, you know, you're not as quick as you were when you were 22 years old. That's just not going to happen. So you have to lean back and rely on, look, I got all these tools in my back pocket. I'm savvy. I'm a veteran. And I know that every single snap, I'm balls to the wall here. So, you know, I think that this potentially could affect him. Is he a 20 sack guy? I mean, what do you have, eight last year? Um, you know, it's going to be eight, tough for him to get – it's going to be tough for him to get back to being a 15-set guy now that he's in his 30s. Um, he's played a lot of football, so the tread on the tires is pretty worn, so to speak. So, you know, I hope nothing but the best for him. I think I read it was a dislocation of a tendon. Um, so maybe that's a little bit better than having a ruptured something in your, you know, your ankle, a ruptured tendon to where they actually have to suture it or sew it back together and anchor it. But, look, I, I think that he's an elite athlete. You know, elite athletes, you know, they recover well because it's, it's in your mindset. Or like, hey, I need to get back to where I was at. So I'm not worried about the recovery aspect. I'm, I'm more concerned on, you know, once he gets back on that field, can he go back to the levels that he was at two, three years ago? And that's tough when you're in your 30s. And my, my biggest thing with Vaughn is I've seen him play and, and I've seen him play in games where he is by far the best player on the field, the best athlete on the field, and he is totally taking over. We're not just talking about the Super Bowl where he won the MVP. Just regular season games where the, the other offense cannot operate because Von Miller is destroying them. Now, I've also seen a lot of games, and I remember these more because I'm an effort guy first. I can't help it. I'm a big try-hard white guy. And I've been like that my whole life. And I, I don't know any other way to do it. I would go 100 miles an hour in practice the same way I went on, on game day. I don't know the difference. And thank God for it because it's the only reason I have anything. If he would just play hard, how fucking good could this guy be? I mean, I don't understand how good football players can cheat themselves and not play hard, Nico. And just imagine if you had Vaughn's athletic ability. If you, like, 
my favorite pass rusher of all time, my, my top five, I guess, in no particular order are DT, Derek Thomas, Lawrence Taylor, the originator, Deacon Jones, the head slap, the Bay City madman, Kevin Green, who I fucking love. Love. He's my all-time fan. I love how psycho he was and how much energy he brought. And just, he's all, you, if you didn't block Kevin Green, he's ruining your day. And then I, Charles Haley is right up there for me because he's such a prick and he's just an asshole on the field. And that's what we want. I don't want my defensive end to be everybody's fucking friend. And he's got, what, six rings or some shit like that? So he's a winner. I, I love Vaughn as a player, but I think this is the end of the road for him in Denver, honestly. He might get another year or two, but I don't foresee them restructuring or, like, giving him all a bunch of money. I think he's done in Denver in that regard. This is his last contract. Why don't, why don't guys that have all the ability in the world play hard? Why, why Rob? And I know this is a, a dumb question, but I, I don't get it, bro. I've never gotten it, and I still can't get it. Well, I, I think that goes back to peewee football, high school football, I mean, and the way you're coached and the way, you know, certain coaches are on you. And, look, let's just, let's just be honest here. When you're the star – Sometimes when you're the best on the field, you're treated differently. And look, I, I can't say that I was a star and the best on the field every time that I stepped on a football field. So I was treated like, you know, hey, Ninkovich, what are you doing? You suck, you know? So for me, it was bust my ass. Together. Yeah, bust my ass, you know, bun Energizer Bunny, never stop, be that guy that was persistent. People hated me in practice because they knew, like, it didn't matter where I was at, I was just going to be going hard on a Friday, like just the way I was wired. So, you know, when you're one of those guys that's an elite pass rusher, you know, there's going to be some coaches like, hey, he's fine. He's all right. You know, it was a screen. But for me, or for a lot of people, you know, I, I have to give respect to a lot of my coaches, um, you know, going back to high school that were on me constantly, constantly. Like the play never stops until the guy's on the ground. So, you know, funny story, I could think back, we were playing Penn State in Penn State, and Michael Robinson, you remember the fullback for the for Seattle? He, he was a fullback, but in college he was a quarterback. Oh, yeah. Um, so he was playing quarterback for uh, Penn State, and I think we were on, like, 20, opposite 20, and he, like, had broke one opposite side of the field, and I, like, was fighting two guys off, and I literally, like, ran 80 yards and, like, angled them out because like as a guy like myself that's not running a four or five football's about angles you know if he's here I'm not gonna go right there because he's gonna be there I gotta I gotta meet him at the point you know so for me I met him at like the two yard line and I got him out of bounds and it was one of it was like a cool highlights it's like look you just see me like I ran past him then he breaks through and then I'm just coming the whole way so you know football is all about effort and if I ever jumped into coaching I'm telling you Every single person on defense, you got to swarm to the football and you got to get to the football. So I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're, you can have 20 sacks a year, but if it's a screen pass and the ball is thrown downfield, your ass better hit your foot in the ground and turn around and run. Because when I watch a big play or a highlight, it's usually one or two guys that if they just stuck their foot in the round, they just turn around and run they would stop that play from happening because the, the running back or the receiver usually goes here, then they cut back, then they cut back again, then they cut back. And if there's somebody there from behind, bang, fumble, strip sack, like you never know because there's the guy's not seeing you there. So all these young people listening to me, stick your ass, stick your foot in the ground, turn your ass around and run to the football and you'll make a lot of plays. I'm telling you, that's what I did. I made a lot of football plays just by running to the football. That's it. It's simple. It's a simple oh, game. Oh, God damn, Nico. It's, it's a simple game. It's a simple game. Go, baby. Let's go. God damn it, right. Oh, man. I love it. I missed you. It's simple. Hey, look, I, I'm in here. The fucking helmet is on. The, oh, shit. I'll fucking roll with this. We're fucking helmeting. Let's helmet, bitch. How many you gonna... <laughs> now we're doing the game. The fucking, this is the rest of the show right here. Double swipe, okay? Double swipe. <laughs> all right, so look, I totally agree with you that it's all about effort. And at 5 a.m. this morning, I'm on these guys' ass like, guys, I don't care if you run the pat, if you won the rep on pass rush, turn it, chase the fucking ball. Every guy, and some of them don't understand, but most of them do. 
that it, it's all about effort and want. So that said, moving on from Vaughn, the Denver Broncos, do you foresee this team being able to compete in the West? I like the Chargers a lot. Losing Darwin James is terrible again, but again, they're, they're stacked. And even with, I think Tyrod's going to do a good job getting the rookie ready. I love Austin Eckler. Delago was a great pickup. It kind of solidifies that tackle position for him. They're going to be a tough out. The Raiders are getting better. Give me your two cents on the Broncos moving forward, and, and then we'll digital headbutt and get you out of here. <laughs> look, I like look, I like Denver, and I'll say this one thing, it's the worst place to play. It's the hardest stadium to play in. Denver is really hard. Um, I think their quarterback lock, I think, I mean, I, I like him. I think he could potentially be good. I wish he wouldn't dance as much, you know, like just go play football. But look, I'm not gonna put anything past in that in that division is yeah, right? Like come on. You know how bad I want to hit that guy right now? Like, I just, bang, put my weight on him. Um, but it's just so weird because from the time when when the Broncos beat me and they had Peyton Manning to, you know, where they've transi- transitioned to now, they're just – it's just so completely different. Like, it's not, not even the same, right? So, for me to think that they could go out there and win the division, I think that they possibly could because, like, right now, who's the powerhouse in the division? Who's the powerhouse? like Kansas City all day that's that's it so when you have that when you have Kansas City in the division you're not going to be able to win that division right so you're going to have to hope that maybe you can squeeze into that wild card ish thing but honestly I don't know if it's going to work for them this year sorry Colorado sorry Denver fans I just I don't know if I'm a huge fan of the Broncos this season all right, so let me ask you this question, and then we'll get you out of here, last one. I'm taking this shirt off because it hurts my head. Yeah, I don't like it either. Yeah. Oh, oh. You, ever a, you ever just, like, tap your helmet and be like, oh, my God, like. So fucking hard. Like, these new helmets, I just got off the phone with Zenith earlier. I'm trying to do a deal with them so my guys are protected. The new helmets yeah. are, like, spaceship. And this shit is like a rock. It's All right, that's crazy. neither here nor there. All right, so the question I want to ask is, Garrett Bowles, as a professional pass rusher with multiple Super Bowl rings, a guy who I've seen abuse top-tier fucking NFL offensive tackles, left tackles that I think are really, really fucking good, you beat them all. Yep. What is Garrett Bowles' problem, and do you ever foresee this kid figuring it out? Because I, I think that this year is going to be – with Drew Locke playing the whole year, not just being able to get by on a five-game sample size that everybody, you know, talks about being, well, he didn't hold as much, and because Drew's in the game, they're better. I think that they were playing a bunch of teams that didn't have anything to play for. They didn't have anything to play for, and it was just kind of exhibition games at the end of the year, in my opinion, and that's how I feel about it. Do you foresee the, the offensive line being a massive clusterfuck like I think it's going to be? And then give me your opinion on Bulls, please, Nico, before we get you out of here. Look, I mean, you talk about defense, right, and how I said that it's want to. Offensive line is very similar to a defensive mindset, and it's, it's, your, it's your want to on what do you pride yourself in and what are your what are your values? And usually, an offensive lineman's values are: I want to kick this guy's ass in front of me. And they're mean, and they're tough, and their number one thing, they're, the number one thing that an offensive lineman wants to do is they want to protect the guy that's standing behind them because they're measured accordingly off of how many times their quarterback is hit. And every time if you put on a game tape, so perfect example of defense and offense. A defensive lineman could have five missed tackles, you know, have a couple MEs, have one sack. One sack. People think, oh, he had a good game. An offensive lineman could have no MEs, have grayed out perfectly, and, you know, have somebody next to him mess up, and a guy comes inside because he thinks he is going to have help, and he doesn't, and he, there's a sack, and it looks like he let up a sack. And then everyone's dogging him out because he let up a sack. So, check this out. 
check this out, Nico. Yeah. I literally brought up the same exact point you're bringing up right now at 5 a.m. I stopped the entire group and I was like, all right, O-line, D-line adage. 100 plays. D-line has 98 minuses. Two fumbles or two strip sack fumbles. He's the best player on the field. O-line has 98 pluses. They give up two sacks and one of them is a strip sack fumble for, for six. They are the worst player on the field. That's just the way the game rolls. I'm so glad you brought that up, bro. I mean, it's just the way that offensive and defensive line, that's just the way it is. And, and it, it seems unfair. It really does. Because as an offensive lineman, it's a really hard position to play, especially with the athleticism and the rules that are in place now. Um, but I, I think that it comes back to coaching and what is the, the offensive line? What does Denver's offensive lines want to? Like, wh where do they want to be this year? And sometimes, you know, you need to have some stability in the quarterback position. You got to have stability in coaching. You got to have stability in a lot of things to where everyone can come together. Because like I said earlier in the pod, it's all about coming together as a team. And when you can play with a guy for a long time, that's when you build that trust and relationship with somebody. When you have a bunch of moving pieces, especially at the offensive line, it's one of the hardest things to do because you're literally trusting the guy next to you to give you all your information for you to give him information and it's, you're going back and forth. So for Denver to be successful, I think that number one, they have to come together and they have to have some great camaraderie and they got to have some great, great chemistry for them to improve as a team. And if they can do that and their quarterback can play, you know, 16 games and, and he can solidify himself as a, as a, big time NFL quarterback, then they'll be in the right, going in the right direction. Um, but until then the jury's out on if they can do that. All right. So you pick Baltimore green Bay for the super bowl. That's a hell of a pick. I can't say I disagree with you. I, I'd love to see that game. Actually. That would be pretty interesting. Um, Rob brother, thank you so much for coming on the show today and taking time out of your day. Uh, I know you're a busy man. Hats off to uh, putting on the helmet. That was, that was fucking awesome, bro. I'm, uh, I'm really excited for this season. I can't wait to watch each and every day on the big screen out there killing it. Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll keep in touch, and we'll get you back on middle of the year and talk some more shop. Rob Nikovich, thank you so much, brother. Um, remember, you can follow him at, what is it, N-I-K-O. What is it? N-I-N-K-O, Ninko 50. N-I-N-K-O, Nico50 on Instagram and Twitter. It's a great follow. So get it done. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, brother. All love. See you, man. Thank you.